chapter 2. We are uh, preaching uh, on, on our uh, on Sunday morning, at least for the first month or so, and, and probably throughout the whole year, different messages on, on our theme, but prepared unto every good work. Now, I've been wanting to do this since we uh, started as far as kind of a look at the exact passage we find our theme verse in. And so uh, this morning, and uh, maybe next week as well, uh, we're going to bring some messages out of our theme passage here at a Second Timothy chapter two. So, if you find your place, stand with me together, please, for the reverence of the reading of the Word of God. Second Timothy chapter two, and today I'm going to be reading verses fifteen through twenty-one. Verses fifteen through twenty-one. The Bible says this: Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase into more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth the canker, of whom is Hymenius and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in the great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor, some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Let's pray. Lord, we love you this morning. Again, we thank you for allowing us to be in your house. Now, Lord, comes the most important part of the service, and that's the preaching of your word. And we ask, God, that you would speak to us this morning. We pray that we would hear from you this morning, God. Holy Spirit of God, be active in our midst as we open your word and preach. Bless us, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, this morning, uh, here's what we're going to look at. Uh, we're going to look at, here's what I've titled the message, the process of preparing for every good work. The process of preparing for every good work. Uh, so far, since we've been preaching in this, we've looked at the first uh, uh, Sunday morning of the year, we talked about principles of preparation. And we looked at that word preparation and chased it through a few places in the Scripture and found some principles of preparation. Then we talked about the, an, an example of preparation. And of course, we looked at the life of Elisha. And no doubt throughout the year, we'll be doing that. We'll be looking at the lives of different people who uh, prepared themselves for the work God had for them. Last week, we looked at the phrase, good works, and we talked about different things uh, about good works. And uh, now, uh, this morning, uh, what I want to show you is the practical process of getting prepared, okay? Again, that word prepared means to be made ready for good works. And you see, folks, a, 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 the goal in the Christian life is to live a Christian life of good works. And, of course, Jesus is the ultimate example of doing that. The Bible says, we looked at it last week, it said that he went about doing good. Amen? And listen, hey, he didn't do it just so he could affect the people that day. He did it as an example for you and I in our day and age we're living in. Amen? Now, listen to me, folks. It doesn't just happen, okay? It doesn't just happen. A lot of the, uh, 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 Here's what I found out as I begin to talk to people. A lot of Christians intend on doing good works. You know what? They might even start down the path of doing good words. But here's the question. How many ever accomplished the goal of living a faithful life of good works? And why is that? How come that doesn't happen? Well, I believe it's a pretty simple answer is this. The biblical process is not followed. The biblical process is not followed. Listen, if you want a certain outcome, you've got to follow the right recipe. 
For example, there's someone, and not just one particular person, but I'm thinking of one particular person in this room who makes really good apple pie. <clears throat> and uh, try and see if I'm not, I, I don't like eyeing anybody or, or narrowing them down or anything, but, you know, anyway, all that to say, uh, but uh, I was giving Miss Laura a hard time because I like her apple pie, amen? But uh, listen, if you want an apple pie, you don't put cherries in it, okay? Listen, if you want something to happen a certain way, Come on now, doesn't it just make sense? you got to follow a certain recipe, right? Well, let me tell you what I love about the Word of God, okay? Is that the Bible is not just a book of knowledge, okay? It's not just a book that, oh yeah, we as Christians, we go to church, we read for the Bible because that's what we're supposed to do. No, let me tell you what the Bible is, church. It's a book of practical wisdom. It's action steps on how to do the things God tell you to, tells, tells us to do, all right? And so uh, what we see here, and this is what I love about studying the Bible. This is what I love about a preacher, God showing me truth. Usually, most of the time, when God shows you how to do, or tells you how to do something, or commands you to do something, if you look at the verses, you find the action steps on how to do it. And so that's what I want to show you this morning, the process of preparing for every good work. And so we're not going to get through all these this morning because there's more than we have time to cover today. And so, but what you see here in the previous verses I read to you is the process. And by the way, everything I'm going to give you this morning is an action verb. An action verb. Amen? By the way, you know what that means? It means something that we need to do. Okay? Come on, it wasn't that long ago. Maybe it was for some of you. When you were in school learning about action verbs, linking verbs, and all that kind of stuff. Okay? Well, an action verb is a verb that does something. Okay? And so what I'm going to give you this morning are some... Practical uh, steps, the process of preparing for good works, all right? So let's get right into it this morning. Here we go. Number one, and I'm going to scare you. I'm going to turn some of you off with the very first one we're going to look at. That is the first word of verse 15. Let's say it together. You ready, church? Here we go. You ready? Study. Oh, no. Study. I thought that was when I was in elementary school or junior high school or high school or college. Oh, no. Amen. It's for all of us as Christians. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Now that word study means this. It means to make effort. It means to be prompt and earnest. You say, well, what does God want me to study? Okay, uh, Does He want me to study the instruction manual on you know, how to uh, put this together or put that together? What is it God wants me to study? Does He want me to study calculus? Does He want me to study algebra? Oh no, He doesn't want to study those things. Amen. Those are from hell anyway. Amen. Uh, but uh, no, um, what's God want me to study? Well, uh, come on church, it ought to be a no-brainer, right? Amen. What do you think God is talking about, the context of the, of the verse here? He wants us to study His Word. Amen? Study His Word. Here's how I like saying it. Every single Christian ought to have a relationship with the Word of God. You say, preacher, you sound like a broken record. You say that all the time. Good! Amen? Amen. By the way, we'll never stop talking about that around here. Amen? That's the focal point as a Christian is God and His Word. Listen, we all ought to have a relationship with the Word of God. You know, the Bible commands us to do several things when it comes to the Word. First of all, come on now, we're to read the Word. Okay, I've heard some, well, the Bible doesn't say you ought to read it. Actually, it does. In Second, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, here's what the Apostle Paul, of course, the Holy Spirit of God was the author. Paul was the pen. But here's what it says. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Now, some people may say, well, he was talking about reading something else. 
Based upon the context, I don't think that's what he's talking about. He's talking about reading the Scriptures. Amen? Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Now listen, folks, one of the most basic principles of the Christian life. This is not, this is not graduate level Christianity. This is basic, elementary. The day you get saved, you ought to start reading your Bible. Listen, how in the world will you ever know what the Word of God says unless you read it? Amen? So we ought to read the Word of God, but it doesn't just stop there. We ought to, Psalms 1-2, meditate upon the Word of God. Here's what he says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. That word meditation talks about uh, to mull over in the mind, all right? Now, when we say meditate, you know, we're, we're, we think of people sitting, you know, with their legs crossed in an uncomfortable position and sitting there and closing their eyes and looking like, you know, they uh, have pain on their face. No, that's not meditation. Amen. All right. What's meditation? Meditation means you simply maul it over. You think about it. Okay. Here's the, here's the, here's the, here's the illustration. And, you know, going to be a little bit gross, but we're country people. We get it. Amen. The cow chewing the cut. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Okay, it is yuck, isn't it? But it's true, right? It's how it works. Y'all knew a cow has more than one stomach, right? And when they, they, they'll chew it for a while, they'll swallow it. Later on, they'll bring it back up and chew on it for a while. Kind of like where I get food caught in my beard, you know? It's like, oh, oh, here's a snack for later, okay? Uh, but, uh, but no, you know, they'll, 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 they'll regurgitate it. They'll, 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 they'll put it through the process again. Listen to me, folks. The Word of God we ought to meditate upon. We ought to meditate, Okay? Have you ever read something in the Bible and you said you say to yourself, I don't get that. My hands are up. Both of my heads are up. Amen. That happened to me this week. So what, what, what do I do? All right. Listen, I have no problem with you coming to me and asking me questions. Somebody did this morning. Listen, I'm thankful for that. All right. And I want you to do that. But let me say this. Listen, maybe before you come and ask me, think about it. Amen. Meditate upon it. Say, Holy Spirit of God, you're living in me. Would you, would you show me some truth here in the Scripture? Amen. And you think about it, you meditate upon it. And by the way, I'm just going to tell you right now, some biblical truths, all right, because the Word of God is so deep, amen. Yes, you can get things just by reading it and gleaning, but there's a lot of deep truth. They're not going to come to you overnight. You have to think about it for a while. You're going to have to, hey, all right, chew the cud for a while, amen, and let the Holy Spirit of God bring those things to your mind. And so we ought to be meditating upon the Word of God. Number three, we ought to memorize the Word of God. The Bible says in Psalms 119, verse 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Amen? Let me tell you one of the best, best ways to protect yourself as a Christian is by memorizing the word of God. I call them your ammo verses. So when Satan brings a temptation to you, or you're, you're in a weak moment, and the flesh wants you to do something you shouldn't do, what are you going to do? Just give in to it? No, come on now. Hey, you're going to break out your spiritual sword. Amen? You're going to, you're going to start quoting those verses you got hid in your heart, the things you got memorized, the things that you can use to do spiritual warfare with. Amen? Memorize the Word of God. I get it. As we get older, our memories aren't as good as they used to be. But come on, that's why it's important that we, that we, we do these things and we, and we hide the Word of God in our heart. And by the way, it's important we teach our kids to do it. Listen, man, there, there's things that I can just that are sunk in my memory. I mean, I, I know them as much as I know anything because when I was a child, I was taught those things and I memorized those things. Amen? And I get it. The older we get, the harder it is to do. But listen to me. We ought to memorize what a high God's Word in our hearts. But then we get to the point I'm talking about this morning, and that is to study. To study. Study to show thyself approved unto God. 
You say, preacher, you better be studying. You're the pastor. You know what? You're exactly right. I better be studying. What I've got to carve out time in my schedule to do is spend time studying the Word of God. I've got to make sure I have a protected time where, where I can be in the Word of God and study it and get the messages that God has for me to preach to you. Amen? But let me just say this. Study isn't just for the pastor. Not just for the pastor. Oh, no. Look, Acts chapter 17, the Bible says, listen to this. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogues of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. We're talking about the Christians in Berea. Why were they more noble? Here's what the Bible says. In that they received the word with all readiness in mind. Okay, that's the first reason. Okay, they received it. Their mind was ready to receive the word of God. By the way, that's why I say to you, when you come to church, come with your cup right side up. Okay? You come with your heart open. Your prayer ought to be before you even get here. God, speak to me today, Lord. I want to hear from you. Don't tell me God doesn't talk to people in 2023. He does. That's right. God's trying to speak to you today. My question is, are you of readiness of mind to receive the Word of God? Amen? Listen, a lot of times, oh, that preacher, he doesn't feed us. And I'm sure sometimes that's true in some cases. But I'm going to tell you right here, folks, you get a spiritual feast when you come here. Right. And I'm not saying it's me. I'm not bragging on myself. I'm saying because we exalt the Word of God around here. From the Sunday school classes, from Brother Dave's class, to these young people's class, to the children's church class, to the messages you hear around here. Listen, you get it all. You get the milk, amen, you get the meat, you get everything in between. So here's the problem, alright? My job as a pastor is not to cram it down your throat. All I do is present it. It's your job to come and say, Lord, my mind's open. I want the truth. And for you to take it and to eat it and to digest it. That's your job. Amen? Alright? And we need to stop blaming God. And in some instances, stop blaming power. Well, they don't feed me. Maybe you're just coming with your mouth shut. Mm-mm-mm. A lot of Christians do. Amen? Mm. I dare you to try to bless me, Pastor. I think the right attitude. Amen? Come on, man. Hey, I sat in the pew for many, many years before I was the preacher. So I, I listen, I'm, I, I lived exactly what I'm saying this morning. Amen? And so uh, they were more noble because they received it with readiness of mind. But notice what else it says in, in verse 11. It says, and search the Scripture daily whether those things were so. Let me tell you why you ought to be studying the Bible. Amen? Because I'm going to tell you right now, folks. If you study the Bible, as we'll see in just a minute, you're not going to get swept away in false doctrine. Let me tell you what you're to do, okay? You, as the people, are the check and balance to what the preacher's saying to make sure he's preaching the Word of God. You're the check and balance system. Amen? Because if you're in your Word, and you hear me say something, you hear me say something and you're like, wait a minute, uh, I, 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 I read the same Bible he reads, and you know, uh, you know, Pastor said that uh, we, in order to be saved, we got to live. We, we got to do a bunch of good works and be baptized. If I were to say that to you, you know what automatically would happen? Red flag, red flag, red flag. You know why? Because you know your Bible. That's why, or you should know your Bible. Now I'm not saying, all right, you ought to come to me and be argumentative about everything I said. All right, I'm not saying that. But I will, I will say this, and, and this has happened before, and I welcome this. If you have a legitimate question about something you heard me say, and you want to know more about it, come to me in the right spirit, and we'll sit down and talk. Amen? Listen, folks, I, I'm an open person. You can talk to me. You can discuss things with me, all right? 
But all that to say, you need to be in the Word of God, and you need to make sure, you need to search the Scripture for yourself. Listen to me, if all the spiritual substance you're getting happens here when you come to church here, you're not eating enough. You're not eating enough. Listen to me, if all I ate was one, two, or three times a week, I would not be a pleasant person to be around. Okay? Would I survive? Mm, probably. But would I enjoy life? No. Come on, you know what it is to be, here's the term, hangry. Come on now. Right? Okay, we know what that is. You know, when we, we're, not, when we're not getting the food we need, man, things aren't right. Listen, that's the way it is spiritually as well for every single one of us. So yes, the first process, again, what are we talking about? We're talking about preparing to every good work. If you want to do and accomplish the work God has for you, you must have a relationship with the Word of God. You must study the Word of God. Amen? So number one, study. Let's look at the next action word we see. And that again is found in verse 15. Notice what it says. Study to show thyself the prudent to God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Here's the next action word. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing. Now that's actually an adverb. Rightly is an, uh, uh, ends in L-Y adverb describing how we should be dividing. But this is very, very important, folks, because listen, there's a lot of people that study, but you know what they're coming up with? False doctrine. You know why? Because they're not doing what it says here. They're not rightly dividing the word of truth. Now that word rightly dividing, that's an interesting phrase. Here's what it means. It means to make a straight cut. It means to dissect correctly. It's kind of like this, okay? Have you ever had that last piece of cake or last piece of pie or last piece of candy? And, you know, you got two kids, one piece of whatever, okay? And they're all fighting over it. So you know what you do? I'm going to cut it in half. But every kid knows whether or not you actually really cut it in half or not, right? Oh, he got the bigger piece! I mean, it may have been an eighth of an inch bigger or smaller, but oh no, no. It, wasn't, it wasn't fair, it wasn't fair. Okay, no, it wasn't, it wasn't divided rightly, okay? Now that phrase, divide rightly, very interesting. It literally means, okay, to cut in half perfectly, rightly dividing. By the way, if you divide something, okay, it means that you, you dissect it, okay? You, 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 you cut it where it's supposed to be, where it's right, where it's equal. And what he's telling us here through this passage of rightly dividing is that we have a, we have a responsibility to the, when we study the Scripture to make sure we're rightly dividing the Scripture. Amen? Now, here's what the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by ghost. Here's what that means, okay? Nobody has the right to interpret the Scripture how you want it to be interpreted. That's what he's saying. It's not a private interpretation, okay? One of the rules you must understand when you study the Bible is that Scripture never contradicts. Scripture qualifies itself. Now, listen, folks. God set the Word up in such a way to where it's just not A, B, C, D, and E all right together. You've got you to you search the Scriptures. That's the way God set it up. By the way, He did it for a reason. He did it for a purpose because He doesn't want us to be lazy when it comes to studying His Word. But a lot of false doctrine comes about when people don't rightly divide. And I'm going to give you an illustration of this this morning because this is a perfect illustration of people out there who don't rightly divide the Word of Truth. Okay? One of the big controversial topics, it seems to be, uh, amongst even Bible-believing Christians, people who, yes, are saved, 
but they have different opinions about this. And I believe the reason they have different opinions because they don't rightly divide. And that is this, the timing of the rapture of the church. Okay, that's a big one. Okay, there's three views of that. Now, I'm not going to get deep into this because this is just an illustration, but I want to show you what it means to rightly divide. Okay, there's three views. There is pre-tribulation rapture view. That's what I believe is the Bible view, by the way. Amen. Okay, there's mid-tribulation rapture and there's post-tribulation rapture. All Christians are going to fall into one of those three categories. Now, why do people come up with a mid-trib or a post-trib? Because, be honest with you, they're not rightly divided. Let me show you exactly what I'm talking about, okay? Take your Bible, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're close to there, alright? You're in 1 Timothy, all you got to do is flip back a couple books to 1 Thessalonians. Now again, God set this up in such a way to where you've got to compare Scripture with Scripture. And you've got to study, you've got to find the, 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 the verses that's talking about this and figure out what, how God puts it all together. <laughs> Sometimes scriptural truth is like pieces of the puzzle. You've got to find one from here, find one from here, and then you put it all together. All right, notice here, this is a famous passage that talks about the rapture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and it's a famous passage. We, we preach about it often. Look at verse 15, okay? Here's what he says. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, that right there is the, the probably the most famous passage about what's known as the rapture. You say, preacher, the word rapture is not in the Bible. You're right, it's not. By the way, neither is the word Bible in the Bible. The word trinity is not in the Bible. But just because the word per se, the English word's not there, doesn't mean the principle's not there. By the way, the word rapture comes from the Latin word uh, uh, rapturo, which just means a calling away. And I'm going to tell you right now, you see in those verses a calling away. Okay? Now, here is the process of the great calling away, or what's known as the rapture. You see it right here. It's very clear. Here's what's going to happen. Okay? The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Okay? With the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. Okay, so Jesus Christ is going to descend. Verse 17 tells us where he's going to descend to. Notice what it says. We shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord. What's those three words? In the air. So Jesus Christ descends to the clouds. That's the first thing we see. Then we see that the uh, uh, there's going to be a shout. Okay, I believe the shout's going to be in Revelation chapter 4 when, the, when, when God said to John, come up hither. I believe it's going to be that. Come up here. Come up hither. Okay? Something along those lines. There's going to be a shout with the, the, uh, the voice of the archangel and then the trump of God's going to sound. Again, I, I'm not teaching all this deep today because that's not what the message is about. But all this, listen, this idea of a trumpet, it signifies things. God never does anything on accident. Okay? So Jesus Christ is going to come to the clouds. He, the, the archangel is going to shout. The trump's going to sound. And then... All those that are alive and remain, the dead in Christ will rise first. All those that are alive and remain will be caught up together with the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Okay? That is called the rapture. By the way, the rapture is not the second coming. Okay? It's not. It's two different events. Okay? And if you don't rightly divide, you start taking verses that talk about the second coming and putting them together with the rapture, and thus you get these, these false views of the timing. Okay, now let me show you another verse, all right? That's the rapture. He's coming to the clouds for his own, okay? 
Revelation chapter 19. Go there. Revelation chapter 19. This is the second coming right here. Revelation chapter 19. And we see this. the timing of this happens at the end of the tribulation period, the battle of Armageddon. Okay, when all the nations of the earth are gathered together to fight against Jesus Christ, all the armies are gathered together there in the great valley of Megiddo, right outside of Israel, or in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. Okay, that's why it's called that, because it's the place they gather. And here's what happens, and all those armies are gathered there. The Bible tells us in verse 11, man, this is good, I love these verses. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Now listen. When Jesus Christ comes at the rapture, He's not coming to make war. Okay, He's coming to get His own. That's what He's coming to do. So here, He's coming for a different purpose. You can already see different things happening between these two events. Verse 12, His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on His head were many crowns. By the way, where did He get those crowns? He got them at the judgment seat of Christ, which happens in heaven while tribulation is going on on earth from all His saints who threw their crowns at His feet. See how it all ties together? Okay? With many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. What's that talking about? Well, it's talking about the fact, as the Bible tells us, that as he speaks the word, the armies literally are going to disintegrate into a pool of blood, and his vesture is dipped in the blood of his enemies. Okay? By the way, that is not, this has nothing to do with where I'm at. I just got to throw this out there. That's not this... Femi, long-haired Jesus homeboy that everybody wants to portray him to be today. That ain't the Jesus of the Bible. Okay? Start getting your view of Jesus from the Word of God, not from popular culture. Amen? That was free, by the way. Alright? Verse 14. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses. Think about that. Clothed in fine linen. Is he talking about angels there? Again, rightly divide. No, you know who he's talking about? He's talking about the saints. Amen? Didn't Paul tell us we're in a warfare? We're fighting a battle? Amen? The Christian life's a battle? You better believe you're in the army. Come on, what's the children's church song? Uh, uh, I'm in the Lord's army. Anybody remember that song? All right. I may never march in the infantry. I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. Hey, we are in the Lord's army. And we're coming back with Jesus at the battle of Armageddon. We're not fighting. He's doing it all. And then the Bible tells us in the book of Zechariah, again, notice here, you've got to put it all together. Here's what the Bible says. And his feet shall stand in that day. What day? The day he comes back to the earth, the second coming, upon the Mount of Olives. Isn't that interesting? I thought Jesus came back in the clouds. He does in the rapture. I thought he comes back and steps on the Mount of Olives. He does at the second coming. Two different events. You see how we rightly divide? And if we rightly divide... We'll get right doctrine. Amen? So again, we're talking about being prepared unto every good work. You can't be prepared unless you study. You can't be prepared unless you rightly divide. And then let's look at one more action word today. Let's go back to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 16. Notice what he says. Now I know this may be more teaching than preaching, but man, this is good stuff for us, amen? amen? We need to get these truths. It will help us. Listen, hey, it's going to help us be prepared under the good work God has for us to do this year and next year and until He comes back, all right? Notice what He says, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 16. Here's the action word. But shun, but shun, profane and vain babblings, for they will increase into more ungodliness, 
And the Lord will eat as doth the canker of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth of erred, say that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. Now, that word shun means to keep away from. It means to avoid. So yes, listen to me, Christian. God has the right to tell you to stay away from certain things. He's God. Amen? He said, listen here, He's going to name two things that His people need to be shunning. Okay, number one, you're to shun profane and vain babblings. That's what He said. But shun profane and vain babblings. That word profane, it means to cross a threshold. It means to, what we would say, crossing a line. Vain babblings, empty, sounding discussions. So here's what He's saying. Pointless, empty-sounding discussions that cross the line should be shunned. Now listen to me. It's one thing to have a legitimate question about the Bible. That's, that's absolutely appropriate. I get it. I understand it. Anybody that has a legitimate question about the Bible, I'll do my best to try to answer it. But that being said, it's another thing to propagate false doctrine. Amen? And let me tell you, folks, some people don't want you ask you a question because they want to know they want, want something because they want to argue. Listen, I ain't got time for that. Amen? When I'm out talking to people and, and trying to witness to people, and this, this happens occasionally, not a lot, occasionally. How some people say to me, well, you know, where did Cain get his wife? Okay? And start asking these ridiculous questions, not because they have any, any uh, 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 one wanting to know truth. They just want to engage me in an argument. Listen to me. That's not what I'm out there for. I ain't got time to argue with somebody about that stuff. Now, again, if they got a legitimate question, I'll do my best to try to answer if they want to know truth because they're trying to get the truth. But just to sit there and argue vain and, and, and profane babblings, the Bible says to shun it. Amen? And so we're to shun that. And then notice what else he says, okay? Now, you might want to put your spiritual seatbelts on here, okay? Because this ain't a political correct church. So let's get biblical for a minute. Well, we all are biblical, but let's really get biblical. You ready? Here we go. Here's this. He tells us not just what to shun, who to shun. Notice what he says. And their word will eat as the canker of whom is... Hey, he's getting specific here. Hymenius and Philetus. You know what he tells us here? We are to shun false teachers. He names them. He names them. Okay, that word canker, it means to gnaw. It's an ulcer. It means gangrene. Something you don't want to be involved with. Amen? Something that will literally eat you and destroy you is what he's saying. And by the way, he doesn't just name the false teachers. You know what else he does? He names the false doctrine. Now listen to me for a minute. Okay? As a pastor, it's my job to warn you and to uh, help keep you free from false teachers and false doctrines. That's part of my job as a pastor. Okay? And you know what that means? That means from time to time, I'm going to come to the pulpit and I'm going to name it. For example, you know what? Pope Francis is a false teacher. Does that mean I hate Catholic people? Absolutely not. I love, I love those folks. In fact, I'm not even telling you every Catholic I met isn't truly born again. Some Catholics I've met are truly born again, but I'll just say this. If they're a Catholic that follows the teaching of Pope Francis, they're not born again because Pope Francis is a false teacher. Here's some quotes recently by Pope Francis. He was caught on radio earlier this year attempting to deceive his flock and steer them away from Jesus Christ, telling listeners that Jesus turned into Satan. 
He accused Jesus of debasing himself up to the point of totally annihilating himself. Pope, Pope Francis spread uh, satanic doctrine further when he said that Jesus Christ made himself the devil, the serpent for us, according to the daily newspaper of the Vatican. Listen to me. If you hear something like that and you're a Bible believer, you know what you hear? False doctrine. False doctrine. Jesus didn't turn himself into Satan. Are you kidding me? The, the statement by Pope, Pope Francis comes after he broke here. Listen to this. Telling a crowd of 33,000 Catholics in Rome that a personal, direct, immediate relationship with Jesus Christ must be avoided at all costs. Quote. By the way, he said this week that uh, nobody should try to prostitute anybody into a different religion, that if you do that, then you're actually uh, uh, damning yourself to hell if you try to convert someone from another religion. Quote it this week. Okay? Having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is dangerous and very harmful, the Pope said during the June 25th speech. In July, Pope Francis told the Italian newspaper that the United States of America has a distorted vision of the world and that Americans must be ruled by a one-world government as soon as possible for their own good. Ding, 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 ding. Sound like maybe uh, a Revelation chapter 18 stuff? Okay? The week before, he called for a one-world government and political authority, arguing that the creation of the one-world government is needed to combat major issues such as climate change. And folks, I'm going to tell you, listen to me, across the surface, and some of these people seeing, oh yeah, oh, how could the Pope not be the vicar of heaven? Let me tell you what the Pope is, the vicar of hell. Amen. And listen, I'm not saying this to down anybody. I'm just, listen, hey, Paul called them out and named them and called their false doctrine out. That's what we ought to be doing as well, amen? That means this, okay? False teachers like pearly white boy Joel Olstein, Kenneth Copeland, Joyce Myers, Paula White are false prosperity gospel preachers. Check out the message. On the surface, it may be one thing. You dig a little bit. It's not the Bible. Amen? And listen to me, folks. If you, as a Christian, are going to be prepared unto good works, then you know what you've got to do? You've got to shun that kind of stuff. Amen? Hey, I say it often. I'm going to say it again. Don't get your doctor off the Internet. You've got to be so, so careful about watching certain people on the Internet. I'm not going to tell you every single preacher on the internet, on YouTube, on whatever platform there is, may not have a good message, but man, you better be so careful. You better be grounded because it's very easy to get sucked into the false doctrine of somebody who talks a good talk. And by the way, you don't know them, you never met them, but supposedly they're the authority of doctrine in your life. That's how Satan works. There's people right now that used to attend this church that you know what, they don't attend anymore because they got infatuated with the false teacher on the internet. And by the way, they walked out of this church over my tears, over my begging them not to do it. They did it anyway, fine, whatever. I'm not God in their life. Do what you're going to do. But guess what? Their family fell apart. Disaster. Utter disaster. Does that surprise me? No. Is it sad? You better believe it. Do I wish it wouldn't have happened? I know I don't want that to happen. But I'm going to tell you, folks, as human beings... We've we got to be so careful because we're easily swayed in things. And Satan knows it. Amen? He knows that. As a Christian, if you have any chance of being prepared, you must study, you must rightly divide so you don't get set, swept away in false doctrine. Let me show you another verse. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Listen, folks, I'm not, I'm not riding this as a hobby horse. I'm giving you Bible. Amen? Bible. 
1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20. Here's another verse warning, okay? And it's pretty similar, but adds something to it, which I think is very interesting. Notice what he says in verse 20. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Again, profane and vain babblings. Okay? Here's what I will say. If God says it once, it's important. You better take it to the bank. If God repeats something, you know what he's saying? Hey, Christian, you better really, really get it. Amen? Okay? So again, uh, we see profane and vain babbling, but notice what else he says here. And oppositions of science falsely so-called. Now, you think that's an accident, the way the Holy Spirit had that word put in our King James Bible? It is not an accident. This idea, let me tell you, folks, listen to me. One of the biggest lies being propagated through media, through government, and through Hollywood, you know one of the biggest lies being propagated? Trust the science. That's an absolute lie. You mean kind of like the science that tells us that we've evolved over billions and billions of years from apes to cavemen to eventually humans? Oh, yeah, trust that science? Or maybe the science that some of you probably remember this, back in, I believe it was the 60s, Leonard Nimoy, Dr. Spock, amen, all right, okay? The earth was going to be wiped out by a soon-coming ice age. Anybody ever remember that? I heard the audio clip of it the other day. Literally, 10, the world, within 30 years, if mankind doesn't do something, it's going to be wiped out by the ice age. You mean that science? I'm supposed to trust that science? Or, or maybe, now that we're in the 21st century... Maybe it's the it's the science that oh, all the world the world's gonna burn up because of climate change. You think maybe I ought to trust that science? Let me tell you what the science is doing, folks. It's playing into the hands of the the the, the cronies behind the scenes that's setting this thing up for the rise of the Antichrist. Now, I'm not saying every scientific fact is this way, but I'm gonna tell you, you better check science and check it with the Word of God, and if science contradicts the Word of God, I know what I'm trusting, amen? I know what I'm trusting, okay? By the way, let me tell you what all this is being, being, being used to do. Listen to me. Come on now. Get your, get your head out of the sand. Figure out what's going on around you. It's, for, it's, it's trying to force people into doing things like eating fake meat grown in labs. Let me tell you, it's real. It's true. Check it out. Not only that, food made from bugs. Let me tell you a word you need to be afraid. You need to be very, very careful of sustainable, uh, 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 sustainable energy, or, or not just sustainable energy, su sustainable society. Let me tell you what they mean by sustainable. They mean they want to make you eat fake meat, eat food that is made with bugs, ban your gas stoves. You think I'm kidding? Come on, get your head out of the sand. See what's going on. Okay, what what's that all about? Ban gasoline vehicles. You know why? Because here's what their goal is. They want to force citizens, it's happening around the world right now, to live in what's known as 15-minute cities. That's what they want. What's that mean? That means this. You are not allowed to travel outside of the 15-mile minute radius of your home. There's, there's cities right now in Europe, in, in some in the UK, that are forcing this on their citizens to be a part of. Now let me tell you what all this is about. False science, falsely so-called, because it's leading to the rise of the one to the rise of the one-world government. And let me tell you something, folks. Again, I'm not trying to get political. I'm being truthful here. Amen. Amen. And we need to, as Christians, know what's going on. Be grounded in what we believe and why we believe it. Amen. One more passage. Go to Colossians chapter two. We'll close out with this. 
I'm going to tell you, folks, the Bible tells us when it comes to these end times we're living in, that we're not to be ignorant. Okay? He tells us that we're not in darkness. Okay? We see what's going on. We know what's going on. I'm not talking about putting your tinfoil hat on and becoming a conspiracy theorist. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about dig a bunker and buy, you know, uh, 10 million rounds of ammunition. Although that's okay if you want to do that. Amen? And, uh, you know, supposedly, you know, uh, wait for the end of the world to come. I'm not talking about that, but I am talking about this. Use your spiritual senses and know what's happening around you. Amen? Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. We'll close out with this passage here. Notice what he says. And this I say, verse 4, Colossians chapter 2, verse 4. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. That's interesting. Because, by the way, that word beguile, you know where we first see, where we first hear reference of that word talking about? Okay? Talking about where the serpent beguiled Eve. Talking about deception. Okay? And lest any man should beguile you with enticing words, for though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. That's, a, that's an interesting phrase. Steadfastness of your faith in Christ. By the way, that's the goal for every single Christian. Being steadfast in your faith, which is in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. You know what that means, so walk ye in Him? Similar to what we're talking about right here. Being prepared to every good work. Amen? Notice here, verse 7. Rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith. There's that word again. Established. Steadfastness. Established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. Man, notice these, notice these phrases the Bible uses. Okay? Profane, vain babblings, science falsely so-called, philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men. You know what that right there could describe? Most every major university of the day. That could describe that right there. Okay? Now again, I'm not throwing everything in the same pot. I'm going to tell you folks, you've got to be very, very careful. After the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. Let me tell you what Satan's number one tool is, folks. We've, we've been over this before. You know what it is. Deception. Number one tool. Number one uh, 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 weapon in his arsenal. Deception. And we've got to be so careful that we're not sucked into that. Amen? I'm going to tell you right now, if we don't follow these action steps, if we don't study, if we don't rightly divide, if we don't shun, I'll tell you right now, we will not be prepared to ever good work. Because all we'll be doing is trying to survive. And God doesn't want us just to survive the Christian life. He wants us to flourish. He wants us to accomplish. Hey, He wants us to be conquering and going forward and taking ground. Not hiding a spiritual foxhole somewhere. And by the way, you don't have to if you follow the Bible action steps we talked about this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we love You. We thank You for the Word of God, the truth of the Word of God. Lord, this was more of a meat message this morning, Lord. We were, we were grilling some spiritual steak. And Lord, I pray that we'll take these things, apply these things. Lord, we're trying to prepare ourselves for the work that You have for us to do. Lord, help us not to be weary in well-doing. Lord, help us to keep doing the things we ought to be doing. Help us to grow. Help us to increase. Help us to keep going forward in our Christian walks. We love you and thank you now. I pray you bless our invitation time. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together this morning.